Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This has got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right, don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. Hi, this is Ruben off the cheek. This is William. I'm Mason Mount. You're listening to the London is Blue podcast. Hey, everyone. It's Nick here. We are back with our champion series. We are we're taking a look back over the years at, at our most favorite podcasts, uh, those where we won titles or beat big London rivals. So... Uh, it's been a lot of fun to kind of journey back and remember the players and, and the manager and uh, all that kind of stuff as we kind of move through these these podcasts. But in lieu of no football, we thought we'd bring back a really fun one this time. And, and that was uh, in 2014-15 when we won the league at Stamford Bridge over Crystal Palace, Eden Hazard penalty. And, uh, and I think we're going to go to the call. Stamford Bridge has had to be patient. 44 minutes played. Well, what they hope will be decision day. Hazard for Chelsea. Really poor penalty. But from the follow-up, a nod of approval makes it 1-0. Episode 37 of the London is Blue podcast. Welcome back, Chelsea fans. You're listening to the London is Blue fan cast, where we cover all of the important topics in the EPL. Chelsea. No, seriously, that's it. That's all that matters. 
Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to the Champions of the Premier League podcast. That is right. We can officially call ourselves champions uh, when it comes to the podcast arena. Sorry, Arsenal and all all the rest of you in the top four sitting and looking. It's official now. Chelsea have been claimed champions. To help me break down today's uh, game against Crystal Palace and, more importantly, the champagne celebrations afterwards, we <laughs> do have Nick and Dan. So, Nick, uh, how pro are you at popping bottles? Uh, if, <laughs> ironic that you would bring this up because uh, for those in Kansas City, uh, they will know that I really super struggled with a uh, with a, one of the champagne bottles that we had today, and uh, it uh, it didn't it didn't really go that well for me. So we had to end up getting a corkscrew, and it was embarrassing. So uh, I'm not wait wait, wait you used a corkscrew on it, champagne. It broke off, and then we had to. <laughs> oh it, no. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's what you get for buying the most high-quality champagne you can find. You, know, you should take some lessons from uh, Gary Cahill. I should. I'm sure they were drinking a little bit nicer stuff than I had, though. Oh, yeah, you know, it's, it's Russian oil money. <laughs> Which means they got whatever they wanted. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, sorry to hear that you struggled so much today, Nick, but uh, <laughs> don't worry. Uh, Chelsea taking on Crystal Palace today at Stamford Bridge, good old Fulham Road. It was Championship Sunday today, and Chelsea ran away. They knew they only needed three points from the remaining fixtures uh, to claim that title. They haven't gotten since uh, Mr. Ancelotti was in charge of Chelsea. And uh, sure enough, did it. Crystal Palace uh, 1-0. Surprisingly, Hazard missed his penalty, but cheeky finish to uh, put that header back across goal. So got the three points. That's exactly what we needed, wasn't it, Dan? Did you have any doubt? Yeah, no doubt. Uh, I definitely say it was a moment of shock when Hazard did not immediately score the penalty and, like, you know, just look at him and slot it in. But the that reaction to the ball just getting knocked up and having the awareness to knock it in for the header, and I, I don't know. Is there anything sweeter in life than an Hazard-like header? I Look, I, there is a, a brilliant tweet after after he made it Showing the uh, the Leo Messi miss from the Champions League against Man City when he when he did the same thing and put it like five yards wide, uh, that was a that was a really challenging header and, and the ball was spinning a different direction than he wanted it to go. I thought it was a fantastic finish. Obviously, you want to convert the penalty the first time, but uh, from that point forward, I don't think anybody had a doubt. It was it was a little nervy, you know. There were a few chances from from Palace and. I thought the the credit to them. I thought that Palace came out and played a a pretty a pretty even match, and and I thought that they were uh, they weren't just going to roll uh, roll down and die, and and it was good to see a competitive game and and for Chelsea to come out on top. Well, speaking of Pardew and his teams, um, we obviously all know how uh, he's got such a great record against Chelsea. I mean, he's won six out of his previous eight matches. Uh, against Chelsea as a manager, and uh, so we wow. always knew that you know it's just a little bit of party magic. It wasn't going to be easy, but uh, you know, like you said, thankfully the boys in blue got it done. But Nick, predictions did not get it done oh. last week. God, so well, we, we all predicted a win. I mean, that, that yeah. that's fair. We all, so we all we all got you know at least half a mark for that. <laughs> Participation points. Yeah. yeah, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest. I'm looking at these now, and I don't even. I don't even know if I need to repeat them. They were so terrible. <laughs> All right. Well, we can go ahead and skip that if you want to know. <laughs> Listen to last uh, were, last episode. I will. I'll say them and embarrass myself. I predicted a paltry five-one win, which um, I had part of it. I had one of the five goals. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, Dan, you were three-nil. Got that clean sheet, and then Brandon four-one. Um, just about as bad as mine. So. You started the predictions and like you set the tone. I know. I was so all... confident. I was so confident. You know, I, I just thought it was going to be a coronation day, and uh, it was. It was just a little bit more um, pragmatic. All right. Well, I mean, the good news, like you said, Chelsea got the result. No big deal. Uh, but uh, a little shuffling of the lineup there, Dan. Not exactly what I think most of us expected to see. No, especially since at the beginning of the week, uh, you know, after the you know Leicester City Leicester's game, you know, we, <laughs> we thought that maybe Remy, you know, being healthy might start up front, but we saw you know the King come back out, draw the lead in the line, and we had you know Hazard, Old Faithful, you know, we had William out there. 
and uh, Cardrado subbed in uh, due to a Ramirez illness that took mm. him out of the game. Yeah, apparently Ramirez had kidney stones. So uh, talk about a huge bummer for a guy who who's been crucial for the for the title run down the stretch. That sounds terrible. Yeah, yeah. So not not good. And then if you if you also want to talk about not good, you should reference anything Quadrado did in the first half because it, it was it was bad. It was really bad. Well, yeah, there was a reason he was he was subbed off. But yeah, we had Matic, we had Fabregas, you know, Ivanovic, Cahill, Terry, Aspilicueta, and uh, Courtois. Initially, it looked like Czech was going to be in goal, and then uh, you know decided to go with Courtois too. So two two late minute uh, <coughs> changes right before the start of the match as well. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think the one thing you look at uh, with this with this lineup initially with Quadrado is uh, he, he had a they basically shaded him. They they let him go outside and and have a lot of room. And uh, unfortunately, uh, with the way that Hazard and William were set up, he just he was a little bit isolated. And then just you know, it just doesn't look like he has Brandon. He it doesn't look like he has any confidence at all. Uh, unfortunately, no. I'm sure it's still a lot of <laughs> kind of like you said. Uh, he's a traditional outside mid, you know, winger. And, you know, typically when Oscar William and Hazard play, uh, they are much more compact and they always kind of overload one side and play a lot of short passes. I don't think that's exactly what Quadrado's looking for. So that makes sense while uh, he was kind of on an island, like you said. Um, but, you know, I think that um, as we get into the game... He showed, yeah. he showed some good pace, though. You know, he showed the ability yeah. to at least make the... The runs forward, they just they lacked a certain purpose to the the end of them. Hmm. Who does that sound like from the beginning of the season? <laughs> well, they're not here anymore. Well, I, I'm just saying. It, it to me is is everyone uh, on Twitter is is saying very much the same thing. You know, he's fast, and you know we we've seen him with Colombia, and and he looked great, and it just doesn't look like he is comfortable at all playing both sides of the game, uh, unfortunately. And I think the mental side is where he might be getting a little bit caught up. It'll be interesting to see if he gets minutes in the following games, especially as we you know now have the, the title secured, if he ends up being one of the individuals that gets some more game minutes to really evaluate his effectiveness in our system. Yeah, we'll give him a, you know, a preseason to get completely on page with everyone. Uh some formation setup, and we'll see what uh, see what he's got. But uh, you know, our boring, boring Chelsea today created uh, 17 chances. It was great, 11 of them from open play. Uh, so it was good to see that. Even though you know, I think it overall was, was the most exciting game. But hey, you do what you have to do just to win, right? I mean, <coughs> when you're that close to the the title, who cares what it takes? You just got to do um, enough to get three points. So. As most of you know, Chelsea have now spent 253 days at the top of the Premier League table this season. Only Chelsea in 2005-2006, 257 days, and Manchester United in the 90s have been at the top of the table longer. Um, but Nick, Chelsea can still set that record, correct? Well, yeah, they will set the record, and it'll be 274 <sighs> days, I believe, uh, by, by the end of this. Yeah, so, I mean, it's... Yeah, we're gonna blow we're gonna blow that record off off of the hinges, and I think set the tone for what a what a real championship campaign looks like. Uh, I think that's the the major takeaway for me from this game is uh, there there's so much said about you know this that or the other thing, especially with with Mourinho as your head coach. But if you look at just the string of dominance, I mean, there was there was a couple iffy spots throughout the season where you didn't know if Chelsea were going to remain on top, but uh, I mean, you look back now and those just looks, look like little dots on the map, and, and this is kind of like the overwhelming path forward for a, for a championship. Well, speaking of championships, this was Chelsea's fifth top flight title, uh, and their fourth in the Premier League era. Only Man United has won more Premier League titles, so, you know, kind of the the fun name of the We Ain't Got No History page on SB Nation. Um, obviously, Chelsea are making history, but when you look at the Premier League era, which is pretty relevant for most of us paying attention to uh, the the EPL right now, is you know Chelsea are up there. I mean, you guys want to talk about no history argument? It's really not valid. It's only United who's pretty much ran away with the Premier League era history stuff, Dan. Yeah, I mean, they've won, you know, 13, and, you know, out of 
you know, for, you know, a couple of chances. You know, I mean, last year we could have potentially locked it down as well, too. But, you know, get four in the current era is, is so oppressive. And I think you, know, you think about, too, that's with different structures of teams as well. You know, that it's a completely different, you know, evolution of, of play that we've had, you know, this period, too, where we got off to such a fast start and then really were able to, you know, maintain through periods of, you know, agony, of, of striker crisis, of, you know, transfers in, transfers out, what we don't have, what we do have. And, you know, it, it's just... I don't know, consistently impressive, the ability we have, and, and Mourinho has really to, you know, average it out. I mean, you know, I think he's now 135 out of 193 Premier League games won um, under <laughs> Mourinho, which is uh, 70% um, <laughs> success rate. And you think about, you know, think about, like, American coaches in, you know, football or basketball, and, and very few of them are even at, a, like, a 500 level, uh, you know, winning half their games. So for someone to be 70% and above... You know, uh, even at the, you know, obviously Ferguson had many, many more games, you know, over 800 uh, in the Premier League, but still to have this maintenance, you know, over, you know, almost close to 200 games is incredible. Yeah, I think the, I think when you look at Mourinho, the, the one thing that, you know, I, I just am astounded by is just, you, you look at him and, and obviously he has a certain personality, a certain flair. Uh, he's, he's, you know, sometimes he's grumpy cat, sometimes he's, He's affable, and and you, you you see all this outside stuff, but I think the the pundits on NBC Sports today were were dead on. I mean, it's all just an act. He's just he's playing a role in a play that he's designed himself, uh, just so that people are talking about him and not talking about you know players or, or strategy or or whether Chelsea won or lost or did Chelsea lost three matches all year to this point. It, and that that is just astounding. I mean, in a especially in a very a very interesting Premier League. I mean, this wasn't a vintage Premier League uh, by any stretch of the imagination, but a very competitive Premier League by by every stretch. Uh, I think that is that is something so crucial. Um, everything's an act, and he's he's one hell of an actor. Well, speaking of Jose Mourinho and his act, um, he has now drawn level with his puppet, Arsene Wenger, uh, with three <laughs> Premier League title wins. Only, obviously, Sir Alex Ferguson has won more, uh, again, Premier League era. But, um, you know, Mourinho, this is his eighth top flight league title that he has won. Uh, Premier League, Serie A, uh, Premier Liga, and La Liga. The guy, you know, as we've said it many, many times, all he does quite literally, is win. Um, but, yeah. you know, today, you know, uh, they got the goal, and then um, Jose made some defensive substitutions. There's no <laughs> doubt about that. Uh, I'm pretty sure he subbed in three defenders. If you consider Mikel, we'll call him at least a defensive player. Uh, but, you know, Nick, like people are saying, like who cares when you're this close, all you want to do is win, no matter how ugly or pathetic it may be to everyone else, right? I mean, I thought compared to Quadrado that Mikel was an offensive upgrade. So I, I'm not. <laughs> oh, God. I, I'm not sure. I mean, he scores when he wants. I think we all know that. And I thought I thought that was a more. I thought that was an attacking move. Uh, in all seriousness, we were playing three holding midfielders at the end of the game, and I don't care. Uh, I I know that every other team in the Premier League uh, would love to be made fun of for their style if that meant grabbing the trophy at the end of the season. And, uh, you know, you talk about buses, you talk about, you know, pragmatism, you talk about whatever. At the end of the day, all that people are going to remember from this team is that they went wire to wire, uh, that they basically took the league by storm with a couple new additions that are, are just world class. And uh, at the end of the day, I mean, are they champions or are they not? They're champions. So uh, I, I think, Dan, there's there might be a, a shirt out there that has some some interesting phrasing on it if you would like to – do you would like to go over that? Well, I mean, there, there's the belief that at points, Mourinho uh, and Chelsea under Mourinho like, like to park the bus. Mm. And, you know, I don't know if we, we have actually a physical bus that uh, he drives around. I don't know if he's a certified or licensed uh, operator of public transit options. <laughs> I, probably, I imagine someone drives him the places. Yep. Right? Yep. I think that's the life he lives. Um, but, you know, someone has, you know, manufactured his face onto that of a bus driver with Stanford Bridge uh, out in the background. Uh, prob so he's probably near the goal somewhere um, in this fictional bus. And, 
You know, it says underneath it, he parks it where he wants. <laughs> but what's it say above it? Oh, 2015 champions. Oh, you say uh, like that didn't matter. <laughs> well, I think it's, it's the, uh, the the wonderfully understated part of, of all this, and I think the part so we get true. to it's it's the part we get to enjoy today. You know, I think as as, as fans, as supporters who you know, invest the time and the feeling and the emotion, and you know, can potentially be in a bad mood after a terrible loss, or you know, maybe not this season um, too frequently. But you know, you get upset over signings, or you know, you know, kind of will put off you know family events or other things to you know watch a game or find a, a hole in the wall to check it out, and it's just, it's just a magical day. And I think that you know, the shirt is just a you know underpinning of how you know exceptional it is to to be a Chelsea fan in this era. Well, speaking of you know shirts and and some things, so personally, every time Chelsea win a trophy, I buy a scarf. That says they won it. So I have the Champions League, Europa League, uh, and this most recently um, Capital One Cup. Um, I started this later. I get it. So I kind of want to know from um, you Chelsea fans that listen out there, uh, what do you guys collect of Chelsea? I mean, do do any of you have some crazy awesome Chelsea like collection that we all need to see? Uh, tweet at us at London Blue Pod or even email us. Uh, London is blue podcast at gmail.com and we will retweet those for sure. Um, I'll get mine out and uh, I'll get a picture up as well. You guys can see Nick Dan, do you guys collect anything? Uh, I think this year uh, I'm, I'm collecting on a bet that I made with a, uh, a Manchester United fan. <laughs> that is that's an awesome collection. You know, it's it's a great bet. You know, he, he was like, you know, my uh, we we had, we had heard from one of our coworkers. He's like, yeah, you know, my 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 brother and I, you know, root, you know, this is they are little Liga fans. He's like, one of us root for Real, one of us, you know, roots for Barcelona. And at the end of the season, like if one of our two teams wins, you know, we buy each other, you know, a jersey. And so you know, my friend uh, Derek and I, we we heard that. And we're like, God, oh, that'd be that'd be a really cool bet to have, like a little heads up bet. And you know, if, if one of our teams win the league, you know, we buy the other team, you know, we get a get a jersey. So uh, I'm probably going to postpone um, that purchase until the yep. year's kits are available. Yeah. Uh, but I'm going to collect on, uh, you know, it's really a gift from Louis Van Hall. Um, <laughs> um, but you know, I'm I'm going to take that, and I think that you know, hopefully, I'll, I'll have many more uh, victory jerseys to collect. Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm right there with you. I I think the thing that I like most about uh, you know there's a whole bunch of apparel out there, and you can get watches or sunglasses or whatever. I mean, there's plenty of plenty of capitalism happening around this around this title. But uh, I think the one thing that I look for is is next year's kit with those gold Premier League patches on the old side there. Uh, that's what I uh, that's what I like the most. So I think I will be uh, likewise, Dan. I will be uh, purchasing one of those kits and. Uh, Giving myself some gold patches to to bling out uh, wherever I go. Oh, Nick, you hit it on the head. I love that as well. My birthday is in August, so every year parents know exactly what to get me. Yep. The new home kit, and I am you're right. I am ready to add that uh, that add on right before I check out. Get those mm. Premier League champions. All right. Let us know, fans at London Blue Pod. What do you collect from Chelsea? Uh, hey Dan, what is the magic number for Chelsea now? Uh, ma- ma- the magic number is negative. That's <laughs> right. I don't know if we can give back points. You know, maybe there's a relegation team we want to keep up because they've uh, they've been easy to play against. But <laughs> well, we know that we do have points to give. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm sure Liverpool over the last couple of matches oh. could really use a couple. I mean, what's crazy about Liverpool is because United's gone in the tank the last couple of weeks that. They're only four points back, and I was talking with my buddy Drew, who's a who's a Liverpool fan, and he's like, you know, if we would have if we would have taken our chances against West Brom and and whoever they played this weekend, uh, you know, they would be level on points with United, <laughs> and you know, it's just it's funny the way it works, but I don't anticipate Chelsea giving Liverpool any points next week. I, uh, we'll just put it out there. And the quest for fourth for Arsenal is still alive. Oh yeah, I mean, look. If you thought our celebration was huge today, wait till they get fourth. I mean, that thing is that's a that's a party uh, like none other. Yeah, I, I don't think they'll be partying as hard as uh, as Cesc was on the the pitch. There. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, yeah. That that image, I think, will just you know, oh, soak up in the minds of of Claude and Arsenal fan TV, and oh, it'll be, it's a it's a cold night <laughs> in the hearts and souls of 
supporters of, of the Gooners. Ugh. Well, that is right. Uh, you know, as we kind of talk about the celebrations, let's shift into that. You know, the game is over. Uh, Chelsea were crowned. Well, I guess technically they don't get the hardware till the end of the season. But um, 83 points, 69 goals for, 27 goals against, um, and they had 25 wins with a 15-game uh, unbeaten run in there, if you guys remember that. Mm -hmm. uh, Diego Costa was our leading scorer. And, uh, yeah, we've already talked about the uh, record for most days at the top of the league. It was uh, fantastic celebrations on the field. Stanford Bridge was buzzing. Absolutely. I, I mean, I think I think now that the, that the titles won, you know, Brandon, Dan, we have – you know, we can kind of reminisce and look back and, and talk about what this title means for Chelsea. Obviously, we know that it's fifth title ever, and, uh, and you know, we're, we're building on a very recent history of, of dominating and, and winning the Premier League. But, uh, you know, you, you look at a full season, Dan, and, and it's so tough to win uh, the Premier League, and it's, it's so tough. It, it makes, you know, with, you know, without getting too mushy on Manchester United, it makes – their accomplishments in the last 20 years look even more incredible because you know, I think everybody in the Premier League knows how tough this title is to win. Yeah, I think especially, too, when you factor in, you know, it's not just the 38 games that you play in the Premier League. It's the games that you're playing in the FA Cup. It's the games that you're playing, you know, at this point for the Capital One Cup. Uh, it's the games that you're playing for, you know, Champions League qualification, uh, you know, semifinal, you know, you know final rounds, and you know that volume of competition with, with basically you know one or two international breaks here that you know, and, and we happen to be blessed with a team with a lot of you know starters from national clubs. They're they're playing soccer you know almost all year round, and they, obviously it's their job. They get paid for it. But I think that in in the modern era, with how many competitions and many games are being played, it's I think the challenge is taking the transition from this year. You know, from one year ago where we, we almost could have won the title to now having won the title this year, and then how do we kind of, you know, go beyond just the Premier League and, and look at, you know, an evolution to being able to be competitive, in, you know, domestically and abroad in, in the coming season. And we all know how difficult it is to win, you know, 38 games plus all the extra competitions that uh, are going on. But, you know, I think this is exciting to know that um, <clears throat> today Chelsea's uh, – starting lineup, or I'm sorry, their squad is 27.9 years old. And you have to remember, that's getting skewed by Drogba, who is 37, Ivanovic, who's 31, and then even JT, who's 34, um, and then Petr Cech at 32. So, I mean, that could easily drop about another year, year and a half. And I think what's so exciting, and I think you know we've talked about this, Chelsea are relatively a young squad. Um, we know a couple years ago that was not the case. Chelsea had probably way more players over 30 than what they wanted. But I think that you know they've done a, a fantastic job at getting um, young players with a bunch of experience in the squad. And uh, yeah, you know, looking back at it, I think that they've done a fantastic job at really revitalizing uh, this squad with a blend of of ages and experience as well. Yeah, and uh, you know, I look at. You know, obviously, to to win the Premier League, you need a a captain, you know, someone who can, uh, you know, direct your ship the way it needs to go and and go for the long haul. For me, that guy is Mourinho, obviously. Uh, you know, and and I look at Mourinho and and his accomplishments speak for themselves. He he might be up there with the best managers of all time already, and, he, and he's still a relatively uh, in his in his prime type of manager, but. Uh, I look at him, you know, earlier in the season he said, I feed myself with titles, and uh, you don't hear that from, from many other managers. You might hear it from a Sir Alex or, uh, you know, maybe a, an Ancelotti or something like that, but it's a very select class of manager who knows that they can say that and then deliver on it. Um, Dan, do you think in the long term that this is – he's just going to stick around? Because I think the number – He's tied with Arsene Wenger on three three titles in the Premier League, but uh, that number is skewed quite a bit because he's only been uh, a manager in the Premier League for I think this is his fifth season now. So uh, you know, three out of five or three out of five and a half, six. I mean, that is uh, that's a pretty astonishing rate for for titles. 
you know, I mean, I, I would think that he stays. You know, I think you talk about, like, the age, you know, that he's in, you know, his early 50s. You know, I mean, obviously you could stop at any time. You know, I, you know, I'm a Patriots fan, unabashedly, and, you know, I tend to liken the way that Mourinho is competitive to the way that Bill Belichick is competitive, and he's, you know, 63 years old. And you think about, you know, the fact if we could have another, you know, 8, 10, 11 years of Mourinho at this club, I don't think anyone right now would, would bat an eye and, and question that that would be, you know, bring on a, a you know, a second golden age, uh, you know, for the club that, you know, has started right now, you know, that's, that we're blossoming into. And I think it's it's more about does he, you know, have the support to continue to drive for, you know, challenging for these titles because I think to the point you made as well, you know, feeding himself with titles. If there's not the ability to challenge himself to feed more titles, uh, if that were ever to not be the case. I think that's the the only time where we would you know find ourselves you know transitioning to to someone else. But you know I think you know I, I would tell you I, I wouldn't want another you know leader in the world right now for our club. Oh, absolutely not. I, I obviously my thoughts were out with him uh, this week. His uh, I believe his dad had uh, some sort of stroke um, during. Or I think right after the Leicester match, and so he flew, uh, flew back, and, and was with his dad. He's a very family-oriented man. Obviously, he, he treats his his squad like family, and uh, you could tell right after uh, they won the, the the Premier League today that he went straight up, uh, hugged his wife, hugged his kids. Uh, I think, you know, with everything that was happening this year, and, and you know, possibly you know his his campaign against Chelsea from from the FA. That this was just more of like a sigh of relief than it was anything, uh, you know, as celebratory as you've seen him before, um, which is, you know, I think just says something to him like uh, maybe this is a little bit more important now. You know, we're just we're focused, we're ready to go. We have we have three matches left to really cap this thing off in style, and uh, you know, obviously you you feel for him and you feel for his family, but. Brandon, you want to lead off with, with what this means for some of our old guard? Well, before we do that, I think the, the most important thing to say on Mourinho is the question he got in the press conference about the critics who who challenged the you know pragmatic or, or boring, boring championship approach. Uh, is, is just you know another wonderful glib Portuguese, you know, <laughs> amusing that the, the dogs bark and the caravans go by. Yep. That man is deep. But, um, you know, circling back to next question about the old guard, you know, it's true. There's only, what, about four guys on the squad, Mikel, uh, Drogba, uh, Petr Cech, and, and JT, who are on the squad when they won the, the Premier League the last time. So I think that it's uh, it's interesting. I don't think Drogba is going to be in a playing position next season. Uh, we obviously know JT will be back for a season. Check is out. And Mikel, I was starting to hear some rumors he might be getting impatient with his lack of playing time. Um, so I think that this really, um, you see how much it meant to those guys uh, holding that, you know, or like at least celebrating again. And I think we'll see that um, as well on the last day of the season when they physically get the trophy. Um, but I tell you what, the the... I was watching the videos from the, the, the locker room celebrations. I don't know if you guys have seen this yet. Yeah, but um, So you get kind of the younger guys all the way down to like the Loftus Cheek and the Ake. Those guys are hanging out in there, Christensen. But you've got Drogba just spraying champagne. Terry, they're dancing. Like they're showing um, the young guys like this is a big deal. Like, don't take this for granted. This is exciting. We're going to celebrate it, and it's going to be fun. And I think that they're really kind of passing that torch on and showing them, like, hey, you guys can do this a bunch in the next 8, 10 years. Like, remember this feeling, and let's do it again. So, yeah. again, I think that, you know, probably the only one uh, of those four that won it before for next season will probably be JT, maybe Mikel, but um, definitely Doing using their experience to uh, breed that mentality in those younger players. Absolutely. I mean, what I, a, go ahead. And what a classy thing too with uh, you know JT, you know, kind of getting interviewed post game, you know, just you know, obviously could share a lot about you know what he's feeling and emotion, <laughs> and kind of quickly you know pivots to you know kind of acknowledging uh, you know Rio Ferdinand and uh, his wife passing away, 
and you know how the, the club, the team, you know, he and everyone else is kind of you know there for him, and you know that you know he and his family are kind of in the top of the minds of people. You know, it's just you know even in a moment of celebration, you know, he, he pivots to be the, the the elder statesman who uh, you know sets sets a, such an amazing tone for the club. Yeah, I, what I liked about that is obviously there was a, a history with him and the Ferdinands and and uh, beyond beyond football as well. So I mean, it's it's good to see that uh, in the midst of all the the chaos around him and and the the feelings of utter joy that he was able to take a minute. And obviously, you don't you don't wish that upon your greatest enemy in, in the in the whole world. So uh, you know, I think our you know I can speak for our podcast and and our thoughts are with him as well. Um, but in a moment of celebration, I think he still is so composed that he was able to deliver a message that uh, resonated and and I don't know puts a little humanity into uh, into the celebration. I guess it kind of seems like those two have started to bury the hatchet a little bit. You know, Rio Ferdinand just came out a few days ago earlier in the week, said he thought JT was one of the best center backs. Um, he still got it, and he even said, you know, look, I don't. We don't have the best buddies, like, but I still respect him. And then you know, John Terry obviously uh, going out of his way to give him a, a shout out, and so it's uh, it'll be kind of interesting to see where it goes from here. Absolutely. I mean, and there, there's just a lot of baggage there, so you don't want to get too much into it. But uh, I think for a guy like JT, who <coughs> captained this team, you know, is, is now captain this team to uh, you know these four titles. I mean, what what a guy! I mean, what a captain! You, you look at all-time great captains in the in the Premier League, and he has to be up there. Has to be. I, I, you, he did make that uh, you know nice comment though about you know knowing that he could play two games a week and oh. you know, gets the opportunity to play every single minute of every single game uh, in this Premier League season, which I think is you know in, in a season where there was there were injuries, there was you know, issues with our, our back line and needing to switch that up as well, too, that he was, you know, even at an advanced age, uh, you know, from a playing perspective, was an absolute, you know, just fucking rock. Yep. So I like this question that we've posed. Uh, does Chelsea have to play beautifully to be accepted? Um, I think this is going, going to be a bit of a, a summer headline that we hear a lot because uh, Chelsea have won it. Now can they win it while playing beautifully? Um, but to kind of put it in perspective, I can't remember if I was listening to Talk Sport or Men and Blazers, but someone said, you know, remember when Spain and Barcelona dominated the hell out of people at Tiki Taka? That was boring. So there's got to be a happy medium, you know? Too much possession versus not enough. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. Uh, obviously, tweet at us, does Chelsea have to play beautifully to be accepted? Um, but what do you think, Dan? Well, I, I think it's... It's more about you know people feeling as if they need they need to have a certain way of football displayed to them that you know that pragmatic football you know destroys what what they remember about the game. It's not as free flowing. That there's not you know so many opportunities or chances created. You know we we had games this season where we you know we had a five nil win. Uh, we had the six three Everton game. You know. There's something to be said for you know accomplishing what you need to do in advance. I think it's like school, you know. Sure, you, you can you know average it out over the you know, the year, and you know you have a group project. Group project has to get done at some point, and you know it, it's really cool. You know, if you, you have big group events and you know kind of throw parties about it, or you know, kind of rally around it and make it exciting and you know, build a friendship over it. But at the end of the day, you just got to turn the project in at the the end of the class, and if you get the work done early. And you have then the rest of the time to, you know, relax and kind of rest on your laurels or advance, you know, to the next class or spend more time preparing and developing in another area. You take that time, and you know, I, I think that you know, Chelsea has found a way to, you know, do their job. And, and as a fan, I enjoy the type of football we play. I think it, it shows discipline. It shows an ability to follow a game plan to take away. The most valuable and integral part of another opposition, uh, you know, best skills, and muffle them. And you know, I, I think that involves so much you know, planning and thought and consistent execution. That if you just wanted to to look pretty, you know, go root for fourth place Arsenal and enjoy, you know, that every season. But yeah. if you want to enjoy, you know, evolution of a game, if you want to enjoy, you know 
strategy and tactics and, and discipline. Yeah, that, that, that's what you, you know, get rooting for Chelsea, and, and, and it produces results. I mean, you can't argue you know, with the results. You know, and even last season as well, too, looking back on it, with you know, not having Diego Costa, without having Fabregas, you know, we, we were you know, inches away from you know, acquiring a championship. You know, Mourinho's you know first year back with the club after you know in his second stint, and I, I think that speaks to you know the value of those players, but really how we we adapt and evolve, and and that's that's exciting. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. I think the thing that bothered me, and and here's what bothered me about today, it, it was almost as if Chelsea winning the title was swept under the rug. It's like all right, well we knew that was going to happen, but did they play beautifully all season? Like, what is wrong with you? Why, why in the world are, are NBC pundits or, or the Twitterverse or uh, guys on Sky Sports or BBC, why is that the story? Why is the story not winning the title? Uh, I'll tell you what, when City won the title last year, it was, hey, wow, City overcame a lot and they, they won the title. You know, whoa, you know, that's a whole different storyline. And, and, yeah, that, I think City plays a little bit more expansive football than Chelsea. There's no, there's no doubt about it. But guess what? Both City and Chelsea won 1-0 today. And I, I guarantee you the, the storyline for each match would be boring, pragmatic Chelsea wins 1-0 to clinch title, or really exciting Man City ekes out a thriller over Tottenham. Like, why, why is the storyline so different? Are people so blind uh, to, to recognize what's in front of them? I mean, I think that the, the biggest part of this whole title run for me is establishing Chelsea as a force in the Premier League again. If this was the the big the big step that Chelsea had to take uh, to to start achieving that, uh, and and the you know, when when you look at this era of dominance and, and how Chelsea kind of dominated the mid to late 2000, uh, 2000s, uh, that was started with this kind of a team. This this team was able to gut it out and, and to win it to get that taste of winning in their mouth, which I think is really important, and then to go forward and just dominate. Uh, and feel confident. And yeah, guess what? They're going to come out next year, probably all guns blazing, a few new additions, a few subtractions, and and they're going to come out uh, playing some great football. But when it's winning time, you have to win. And that's what Mourinho does. Uh, You can criticize it all you want, but you're fourth place if you do that. It was, uh, yeah, you know, it is funny hearing that, you know, and honestly, I think it's because Chelsea made it look too easy. Uh, They led the entire time. There was no drama. The only drama was that uh, Chelsea were level on points with City at the turn of the year, and that was really it. You know, like they got off to a big lead, lost it, and then got off to a big lead and held it the rest of the way. And maybe that's it. Maybe there wasn't enough uh, challenge and drama like last season. You know, where Chelsea were up, then Liverpool, then City, and it's like this three-horse race. Um, but you know, it's just the fact, like we said, that uh, the Chelsea team were able to just endure and be uh, the best team in the Premier League consistently for 38 games is wildly impressive. You know, I guess kind of moving on as we finish out the season, it'll be really interesting to see, you know, what the performances and the lineups are going to be for Chelsea. Yep. Uh, but the next one on the road is uh, Liverpool. Uh, and it sounds like uh, they will be doing a guard of honor, I believe, for Chelsea. <laughs> um, yeah, word is, though, initial word, is that the, it potentially is a case of, of trophyitis. Um, yeah. from Stevie G, and he might not be available. Well, I mean, you wouldn't want Stevie G to slip and ruin the entire thing, right? So you don't. It's almost as if <laughs> you wouldn't want him out there, and and he slips and he takes out Ruben Loftus Cheek. You know, you wouldn't want that. So it's a young talent. We need to keep him. We need exactly. to keep him fresh. Yeah. All right. Well, the game will be <laughs> at Stamford Bridge. Um, Chelsea's form going into this game. Who cares? Champions. But technically, it's four wins, one draw. Um, Liverpool's former is a measly two wins, one draw, and two losses. Uh, Not doing so hot uh, right now. And uh, did you guys see the Rodgers out Rafa in banner? Oh, God. Oh, man. I tell you what. I saw that, and I was like, I was like, did nobody learn anything from two years ago? Rafa Benitez can't manage a team to save his life. Uh, he's he's terrible. But he's falling I mean, apart. He's falling apart at Napoli. 
he's too fat to manage Sampdoria, uh, which is a, a lesser team in Italy. I, it, it's funny. It, it's super funny. It, honestly, if they want to hire him over a guy like Jurgen Klopp, go for it. Uh, we'll we'll take the points off of him every time. <laughs> All right, well, as we kind of look through the history, Chelsea five wins, three draws, and five losses. So it's a pretty even series, um, but I feel like Chelsea definitely have the edge. You know, In January, won one nothing. Ivanovic with the 94th minute uh, winner. Um, and then also, that you know, in the Capital One Cup, that's where that was. Then the 1-1 draw, so tight series. Um, but, you know, as I look back at these scores, Chelsea have won almost all of these orts of draw, so... Um, definitely and, uh, edge Chelsea, but what's it going to be like, Dan? Like, w- the, how much motivation will the team have? You know, I don't, I don't think it's you know the same motivation. You know, Mourinho is not going to want to just go out there and, and give up the game and give away points. You know, I, I think if, if anything, we know Stamford Bridge is a you know a nasty place to play, and, and Liverpool are, are going to come out wanting to win that game. You know, they they can see some some cracks at, uh, at Manchester United. They can see. Yeah, you know, the possibility of, of top four finishing, if in in reality, which is crazy to think about. You know, that, you know, we kind of had you know talked a couple times this year about what that top four is going to look like, and I don't think any of us got got it as right as we would have hoped. But yeah, you know, I, I think that we might see some some of our youth players, you know, getting the Ruben Loftus sheets in there, um, getting the Aki or the Christiansen's in there to kind of you know experience and, and evaluate. Because you know now it transitions from the the winning of the title to title defense and, and evolution of the team, and I, I think that's going to be you know, if you've been looking for some exciting element or flair to the games, you know, we're going to have some you know pretty much you know if you don't watch any of the youth matches, um, you know, some some unknown to you, and if you have uh, getting to see some youth players get uh, first team experience, which is going to be uh, super super special. Well, you know, I think that, uh, yeah, there's no doubt about it. Liverpool clearly have a lot more to play for than Chelsea. But, uh, you know, Chelsea definitely want to go out there. They still have that potential to set the um, the most points uh, or the biggest gap between first and second. So there's still that to go for. Uh, but, hey, let's go ahead and get into predictions. Nick, you went first last time. I'll go ahead and throw in there. I think it will be a uh, 2-2 draw. Whoa. Whoa. Um, I, I'm going to steal Dan's inevitable 1-1 uh, draw. Whoa. I, I was actually going to go for a uh, for a 2-1 win. a boy. Uh, with a uh, Coutinho uh, crazy goal because he seems to be in the mood right now. And, yep. uh, you know, I, I think you know, we'll, we'll do well. Maybe, maybe we can get, like, a Dom Solanke appearance, which would be pretty Ooh. pretty epic. Well, didn't they say that Liverpool's, like, three strikers have put in a combined seven goals this season? Yep. Doesn't, doesn't that make, like, some of our defenders better equipped to go uh, lead their line? Oh, without a doubt. All right. Well, you know, guys, I think that's a wrap. We'll definitely be diving into some some more champions theme stuff as we, you know, uh, call these last three ep- you know games of the season. This has been truly exciting. So, um, Nick, uh, final thought. Yeah, my final thought is uh, to Chelsea fans, you're welcome. Uh, I think that our podcast has clearly been the the good luck charm that was needed uh, <laughs> along the way. Um, in all honesty, it's been a it's been a hell of a run. Uh, you know, we we just started this thing back in uh, back in August, right before the season started. So uh, it's been it's been excellent uh, thus far. I know that we're planning uh, some content over the uh, over the summer break and. And plan to have some pretty awesome guests here in the next few weeks, and uh, you know we're just looking forward to. I think I can speak for everyone. We're looking forward to uh, to growing this, and uh, any feedback that you have uh, for us is, is welcome, uh, unless you're an Arsenal fan. So, perfect, Dan. You know, I think uh, it's a day to enjoy it. It's a day to moment. It's a day to celebrate. And I think for yeah, specifically our American fans, you know, we, we've talked a little bit about it. I mentioned it maybe once or twice, but uh, you know, Chelsea's going to be in America during the uh, during the summer months. So if you have some you know, time off from work, if you have the ability to maybe take a you know a sick day here or there, uh, you could travel to uh, New Jersey. You could travel to North Carolina. Um, 
and you know, potentially see you know our, our, in the nation's capital, DC, and you know watch them. I think we, we've talked about Charlotte maybe as a Perhaps. a London Blue Pod uh, you know live meetup. So uh, that might be something that we are in the works on trying to accommodate for some of our listeners and get a chance to meet all of you. And uh, that, you know, that's coming up. So you know, pay attention to the International Cup of Champions, and hopefully we can uh, you know, get to actually meet some of our amazing fans and, and fellow Chelsea supporters and, and celebrate this you know, wonderful moment in our history with you in person. I, uh, yeah, that meetup is going to be awesome, uh, so stay tuned on that. Uh, my final thought is uh, Chelsea with have been compared to Floyd Mayweather Jr. a lot lately. Yep. Obviously, that comparison being quite relevant since him and Pacquiao uh, boxed uh, this past weekend. And you know what? I'm going to welcome that, and here's why. Uh, Mayweather's undefeated. He's a winner. That's what he does. He doesn't care what anyone else thinks about his style because he's considered defensive, for all of you who don't know about that, uh, very much hits on the counterattack. Um, but what he does is he's a tactician in the ring. He doesn't get hit a lot, and he is, uh, what, 47-0? 48-0. 48-0. And so I think we can, uh, if you hear that comparison, don't be afraid of it. Embrace it, Chelsea fans, because winning is awesome. All right, well, that will be a wrap for this week's episode. Chelsea fans, make sure to catch us next week when we review the Liverpool match. As always, continue to tweet at us throughout the week. We have a lot of good stuff going on. Uh, And make sure to watch that game, answer those questions, tweet at us, let us know. Does Chelsea have to play beautiful to be accepted by everyone? And show us your collections. What Chelsea stuff do you guys have? Uh, We will obviously retweet the best ones, and we look forward to talking to you next week. Keep the blue flag flying high, champions of England. That will do it for this show, Chelsea fans. But don't worry, the London is Blue podcast will be back soon to keep you up to date on all of Chelsea's news and results. So until then, make sure to follow us on Twitter at London Blue Pod for the latest and greatest banter. And make sure to send us your questions to London is Blue podcast at gmail.com. Keep the blue flag flying high, Chelsea fans. Chelsea are the champions. Their third title under Mourinho, their fourth in the Premier League, their fifth in all, 60 years after the first. The Blues, by far the best of the bunch, winning from the front by a country mark.